There's only 10 days left in the tax year. What can you do right now to max your refund? This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Part of that retirement income is how much you get, but how much you keep is another part of that. And we're talking through some deadlines, including December 31st, and thankfully some deadlines that get you through tax day coming up here as we're talking about how to max out your refund. I brought on my producer, Patrice Sakura. Patrice, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to this. And I can't believe the end of the year is, is coming up so fast. It's coming up, or you might be listening and thinking, wait a second, I just passed it. Well, you've got a few other things that you can do by uh, tax day, April 15th. So we'll we'll talk through those. But I imagine, Patrice, you're probably confused. Why is Jeremy talking about refunds? Uh, we think refunds are close to worthless. <laughs> It's really all about your tax bill. Uh, you know, if I charge you a hundred bucks and give you twenty dollars back for whatever it is, you don't focus on the twenty dollars you got back. You focus on the eighty dollars you paid, unless it comes to your taxes. So we we encourage you to focus on your taxes paid, not your tax refund. Except now the IRS just announced that the penalty for underpayment is eight percent. Ooh. And I'm in Wisconsin, that penalty is 12%. So they charge you an interest rate uh, for underpayment of 8% for federal, 12% in the state of Wisconsin. Every other state has their own. And just two years ago, it was 3%. So now it truly is a big deal to see, are you getting a refund? Are you not getting a refund? And what's your underpayments? Because there's a steep penalty, a steep interest rate for that. And it's still kind of nice to say, hey, I got a refund. It you know, I'm sorry. It just feels kind of fuzzy. It feels good. It absolutely does uh, feel good. That's for sure. And we've been talking to a lot of clients at the end of the year. Here's what you ought to do with Roth conversions. Here are mm -hmm. things related to your uh, tax withholding and estimated tax payments. And they all seem to want a refund. So I can't, I can't blame them. <laughs> well, talk to me about 1231 though. It seems to be a big day. Yeah, I'm going to go in order of kind of your deadlines. December 31st is the end of the year. So December 31st is your deadline for a lot of things, except December 31st for 2023 is on a weekend. So it's actually December 29th for a lot of things. Oh, but your, your deadline for withdrawing your required minimum, taking out your required minimum distribution is December 31st of this exact calendar year. So if you are 73 or older, you've got to make that happen. And if you inherited money from someone who died in 2019 or earlier, you might have RMDs as well. So it's kind of the, the two people here. You're thinking mm -hmm. if you are 73 or older, you've got to take out those required minimums. And you might have also inherited money and you might have inherited money a few years back you might have those required minimum distributions as well. So take a look, find out your required minimum distribution amount and make sure you get it out before the end of the year. How do you find out that amount, Jeremy? Well, if you're working with a good financial advisor, they can help you out with that too. And I'll put a few links in the show notes because it's a bit tough. Mm -hmm. You have to take a look at the 
amount you had at the beginning of the year, which is actually the end of last year, and then you divide it out by something called a divisor. It would be nice and easy. Uh, if you're <laughs> starting out and it's 73, it's roughly 4%, but it's really not 4%. Every single year, you look at a chart and they have this thing called a divisor. Division's the, the toughest part of math, right? My kids are going through that right now. It's tough to divide, but that's exactly what the government wants you to do. So I'm gonna uh, put that in the show notes. Here's the exact tables and there's different tables. Are you inheriting this uh, because your spouse was 10 years older than you? Are you inheriting it when it's from your parents? Is it your own required minimum distributions? These are all different tax tables, RMD oh. divisors. So I'll put those all in the uh, show notes. We'll expand on that uh, in there. But basically take last year's value, year in value, let's say it's 100,000. And if your divisor is 25, which it won't be, but if it was 25, <laughs> uh, you divide that out and your required minimum is $4,000, whether that's the inherited account or your own required minimum. And here's some interesting things too, beyond just that December 31st is your deadline. You could, if you're 70 and a half, have that money go directly to a charity. It counts towards your required minimum distribution and it does not show up on uh, your tax return. So that's somewhat of a, a benefit that yes, you have to take the money out. It ought to show up on your tax return unless you're over 70 and a half. And certainly if it's your own account, that means you're 73 or older, you're older than 70 and a half, then you can take that money, give it out straight to charity, but you can do the same thing with inherited IRAs as well, as long as you are over 70 and a half. And I'm gonna talk real quick about inherited uh, IRAs, those required minimum distributions that can get a little funky because you might be hearing in the news that you don't have to do required minimum distributions, that the IRS gave you a reprieve, they're waiving the penalty. Well, that's only for the new required minimum distributions, the ones from 2020 when you inherited money in 2020 and later, if you inherited money before 2020, those required minimum distributions, which you're supposed to be taking out from your accounts, still applies to you. You need a financial advisor to help with this. It, uh, it certainly helps out, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so what about people who were before 2020? Yeah, if you inherited the money before right. 2020, then uh, most likely you inherit it from like your parents, your aunts and uncles. You've got this thing called a stretch IRA. That has to do with how old were they? How old are you? What's your divisor? It's tough. You're not going to figure it out exactly right now. Just listen to me. What you ought to know, though, is it still applies to you. Those news articles saying that the RMDs are waived for the year, the penalty is waived for the year. Those are only for people that inherited from 2020 and later than that. So if you are somebody that was getting inherited IRAs before 2020, you had their RMDs before that time frame. you were qualified and had to do the required minimums, that still applies to you. So check into that, look at it. Like I said, we'll have a lot of the uh, info in the show notes with these tax tables uh, on that. And you mentioned charitable giving. Does that also have to be wrapped up by the end of December, 1231? Yeah, so another deadline to keep in mind is your charitable giving deadline, which is December 31st. 
And some people are taking investments that they have and they're giving those investments directly to the charity. Well, investments and moving those around have to do with the stock market. The stock market's last day of the year is December 29th. So if you're taking money from your stock account and giving it directly to charity, then December 29th at Friday is your deadline. If you're writing out a check, it must be delivered or postmarked by December 31st. So when you uh, go to church on Sunday, December 31st, and you write out that check and put it in the offering plate, you ought to be good to go. If you're mailing in that check, remember though, the post office isn't open on Sundays. Mm -hmm. You probably got to get to the post office by that early Saturday morning on December 30th. If you're writing the check and mailing it in to your favorite charity, your favorite church, that's when you have the deadline. Don't call up the church of charity and ask them to backdate anything. Doesn't matter what date you put on your check when you're sending that that uh, contribution to charity. What matters is that you delivered it by December 31st or it was postmarked by December 31st. And when you're giving money out for charity, the tax year ends when the tax year ends, which is December 31st. Although, like I said, uh, a few things kind of close beforehand, like the stock market and the post office. So get that charitable giving in early before December 31st as the deadline. And what else do we need to know before the end of the year? Another deadline, which is interesting, is your 401k, where if you're contributing money to the 401k, the money that you're contributing has to be in by December 31st. You might just have one last paycheck in the year. And if you're like my business, it's a third paycheck in the month of December. You might not necessarily need that third paycheck for your monthly bills. One way to reduce your income for this year, one way to help out your refund for this year is you can max out max out your paycheck into your 401k. Hmm. The total max for 401ks in 2023 is 22,500 plus if you're over 50 it's 7,000 500. So if you're over 50, you can get 30 grand into your 401k for the whole year of 2023. You might still have time where you can go in and max out your paycheck. If you don't happen to need that third paycheck for December, perhaps it's a good thing for your future to save extra. Perhaps it's a good thing for this year's tax refund for this year's tax return to max out that traditional 401k contribution and get that last paycheck into the 401k. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com. Use the number or spell it out. You'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening. And now for the rest of the show. What about some deadlines after the end of the year? You suggested there might be a few others to keep in mind. Well, one thing to look at with 2023 is that you probably have a lot more interest in 2023 than you did before. And you owe taxes on interest. If you have money in a CD, you're earning interest and they don't do withholding from that. So you might want to take a look and prepay what you own on that interest 
in a quarterly estimated tax payment. I'll go through an example here. Let's just say you had a hundred grand in the bank one or two years ago. One or two years ago, that hundred grand in the bank might have earned you ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, right? It, it's not terribly too much of interest on that hundred grand in the bank. Well, this year, if you're getting the five percent interest rates that you could get on CDs or online savings account, that's five grand. That's a much bigger difference. That's a big enough difference that if you owe the taxes, if it's coming out of what you owe to the point where you have to pay in, you might have that interest rate penalty. You might be excited about the 5% interest that you earned on your bank account. You won't be excited on the 8% tax penalty because you didn't pay the taxes or the 12% uh, interest in the state of Wisconsin or you know, as an example, and your, your state will have uh, its own thing. So you really wanna look and see what do I have for interest and be happy about that and then try to figure out what you might owe on the taxes on the interest. It might be a good choice to go ahead and make a quarterly estimated tax payment by that January 15th deadline. And you can go directly to the IRS. You can go directly to your uh, state department of revenue and prepay, make that payment because you'd hate to come back and find out in April that yes, you owed taxes when you didn't expect it. So figure this out ahead of time. And even worse, that you might owe uh, mm -hmm. interest penalties for not paying it uh, on time. You mentioned a 401k and an HSA. What about the 529? Yeah, so we've got uh, two deadlines for you of April 15th as your, your deadline. Tax day is your deadline. So uh, thankfully, get some extra time on this. Uh, you might be listening to this after some of the other deadlines and you still have some time. So April 15th or tax day, whichever day uh, is tax day in April, they seem to move it around every <laughs> year. You can take that, uh, your HSA, you can contribute uh, and kind of count it in the prior year. So you, you make your contribution by the tax day in April and it can count towards your prior year. So as you're going through your, your tax return and I encourage everyone to do a draft tax return. Just look at it and say, how does this look and what could I do different? There's a couple of things you can do different. Uh, you can contribute to your traditional IRA, perhaps. There's some rules about that of whether it's tax deductible or not, but take a look. See if you can do a tax deductible contribution because you can do that by your April uh, tax date deadline and count it towards a prior year. You can do your HSA contribution uh, by that tax day deadline and count it towards your prior year. And for that HSA, the maximum is $38.50 for single, $77.50 if you are part of a family plan. And if you're 55 or older, you could put in $1,000 to that uh, HSA. Now, the reason why I talk so much about the HSA and their contribution limits is most people I talk to think the HSA is similar to the FSA. The FSA is something where you cannot roll over. That's the flexible spending account. You can't really roll over a uh, balance from year to year. But the HSA, you can roll over that balance from year to year. Another part of the HSA is you can cut a check. You can deposit money into your HSA account. And most people I talk to think, Whatever I put in through payroll through my HSA is the only thing I can do. 
uh, you're you might be thinking the fifty dollars per paycheck, twenty six paychecks, thirteen hundred dollars per year is your maximum. That's not your maximum. Just because that's what you put in through your payroll doesn't mean it's your maximum. Or some people have HSAs where they don't put anything in, but their company puts in five hundred or seven fifty or a thousand. That amount counts towards your contribution limit, but that's not the maximum amount. Or other people say, my HSA doesn't allow investing. It's only interest rate. Well, you can open up an HSA anywhere. So there's so much uh, misthoughts uh, about HSA, and I can't blame you for thinking that uh, because it's somewhat similar. It sounds just the same as an FSA. You probably are doing it through your work, and so you probably think you have all these things that are directed from work, but those contribution limits are again 3850 for single 7750 when you are part of a family and it's a thousand dollars per person when you're over 55 on top of that and you can go out and open your own hsa account if you have an hsa through work because you have that high deductible health plan and you're contributing to the hsa that work set up and you don't like that hsa that work set up well, figure out what your contribution limits are and open up another HSA and whatever amount of room you have left, you can go ahead and max out the HSA. That's why I really talk about uh, the HSA contribution limits and that you can do more than what you're doing through your work. Most of the time, you might actually be maxed out through your work that I've, I don't think I've ever, ever seen that really. And these are very flexible accounts. As you say, you don't have to use them up. You can roll them over. With an HSA, you don't have to uh, use it up this year. And it's a common suggested retirement savings uh, idea is to max out your HSA, invest it for the future, actually pay your current bills uh, on your credit card, on your debit card, out of your checking account, out of your current cash. That way you've got money saved up for the future. And that's money that you can put towards your Medicare premiums. That's money you can use for your medical bills uh, once you hit retirement. So maxing out the HSA, investing towards the future is a, a good, wise tactic. And you have to fill April 15th to make that contribution and count it towards last year. Another one you can do April 15th, your tax day deadline and count it towards a prior year is the 529 plans. Now, 529 plans are great because you get to put money in, save it for your education, uh, let it grow hopefully for the future. And when you take the money out for education, there's no taxes on the interest on the gains that you did, that you got from that. What's better for you this year or important for you this year is that a lot of states have an amount that you can put towards that state 529 and get a tax deduction. I'll talk about two states in particular just to give you uh, an example. For Wisconsin, it's 3860 in the year of 2023. So $3,860 you can put in uh, up to April 15th, count it towards the prior year. That's per beneficiary. Uh, mm -hmm. And interesting enough, it's actually including yourself. Uh, so I'm gonna round up, it's not exactly round up, but I'm gonna round up and go with the example of uh, my family where if I wanted to, uh, there's myself, my wife, my two kids, I've got four beneficiaries that I could contribute to 
Well, four beneficiaries uh, times almost $4,000, that's about $16,000 that could go into the 529 plan and get a tax deduction. And if your tax rate in Wisconsin's at the roughly 5%, that's roughly $800 of Wisconsin state income tax uh, that you got saved. So again, this is just an example, uh, but just to give you an idea how it works in one state, another state is Illinois. So Illinois allows you 10,000 per year deduction. That's not based on the uh, beneficiary, right? I mentioned four people as beneficiaries right. uh, for Wisconsin. It's based on the contributor. But if you put in 10,000 as the max, if your spouse puts in 10,000 as a max, that's 20,000 combined. And if you look at Illinois' tax rate, and it's roughly 5%, but if that's the case, and we're doing some kind of rough math as an example, 5% of 20,000 as a max on the 529, that's $1,000 uh, income tax help to you in the state of Illinois. So look into the 529 plans, look into the 529 plans of your state and what the uh, state income tax deductions could look like because you have up until tax day to put it in there and count it towards the prior year. And that's not just a help for your college savings, your kids' college savings. It could be a help towards this year's tax return, actually lowering this year's tax return. That's a great way to look at it. Not just education, but taxes. Yeah, it's a, that's exactly it. And what I wanted to do today is just go through because it might be the end of the year, and you're trying to get the the most out of your tax refund coming up. Uh, it might be at the beginning of the year and you're wondering if there's anything you can do to affect uh, last year. And the answer uh, might be yes. So look into how that might work out of here. The reason I brought all these up is I was getting these as questions from a lot of my clients. I've been getting a lot of questions from my clients lately. Uh, also, a lot of people have been leaving questions and comments on YouTube and Facebook. So if you'd like to have me answer your question and we'll answer it directly to you, I'll also use it, you know, anonymized as a question on an upcoming episode, please go to retirement-reveal.com. And in the top right corner, you'll see, ask Jeremy a question, go ahead, send me your question and I'll get that answer back to you as soon as I can. And of course, we'll be able to use it to benefit the rest of our audience uh, as well too. Sounds good, Jeremy. And I hope we get a lot more questions because some of them have been very good. Yeah, I love talking uh, to you and I love talking to all our uh, listeners. And these questions have been very helpful. Uh, everyone's enjoying getting the the answers right back. And of course, thank you for uh, sending in your questions because it'll be helpful for the rest of the listeners to Retirement Reveal. And with that, I want to thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. 
Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC or Registered Investment Advisor. Kyle Financial Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.kylefp.com, for important disclosures.